0: Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. Our mission is to make disciples who are radically devoted to Christ, having both a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. You know, Raleigh was up here and he had that uh, 20-year-old tie on, you know, the... I wanted to ask him if he still had food on it, but no, I just... <laughs> You know, us dads get nostalgic that way uh, with our little ones. I, uh, first thing I did, I had a cup of coffee this morning, and I reached into the cupboard and, and uh, took out an old, old coffee mug that I have saved probably 10 or 15 years, you know, from the kids, and, uh, and just pulled that out, says, I love you, Dad. And, and those things are, they're special. But I do want to say happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there. And uh, tomorrow you get to go back to work. Yes, uh, daily grind, and fighting traffic, and sitting in meetings, and answering 300 plus emails, and listening to unreasonable customers, and clients, and facing the pressures of providing for your family, happy Father's Day, and welcome to this Hallmark holiday. You may say, thanks so much, Pastor Scott, I feel so encouraged. Um, There are a lot of expectations on us as dads. There are a lot of expectations on us as men. And we feel the stresses. And uh, we get overwhelmed at times. And honestly, sometimes we don't, f- um, we don't handle those pressures very well. We don't handle that stress very well. Uh, we portray ourselves well, though, don't we? We, 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 per- we per- portray ourselves like this guy, Mr. Incredible. I-, I mean, that's what us guys are, minus the tights, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> Because we want to be incredible at home, you know, incredible husbands and incredible dads. And we want to be incredible on the job, at work. And we want to be incredible men, strong in times of crisis and never filled with self-doubt and never filled with worry. But more often than not, we're this guy, Mr. Struggle. (laughs) And um, we struggle physically at times, not getting the sleep up at night. We struggle financially, maybe. Struggle with work, maybe have no work. We, we struggle relationally, in the home, outside of the home. We struggle with life. Sometimes we just get worn out, we get stressed out. And, and honestly, we don't want anybody to know about it. I mean, because we're Mr. Incredible! I mean, truth is, we can't even admit when we're lost and need Directions! I'm sorry, did I say that? We never need directions. We never need directions. We are men and we are incredible. We do not need directions. Well, on this Father's Day, I want us to look at a passage that gives us a fresh perspective on what it means to be incredible. A fresh perspective. It's found in the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at a very short psalm, it's Psalm 127. And this psalm doesn't just apply to men. It doesn't just apply to dads. It's written for everyone. So whether you're a dad or a mom or a man or a woman or you're young or old or single or married or you have kids or you don't, there are lessons in this passage for everyone, for you and for me. Now, Psalm 127 was penned by King King Solomon, wisest man who ever lived. And it's titled, A Song of Ascents. And there are 15 such psalms that are songs of ascent, And they're found in Psalm 120 to 134. And they were sung by the people of God as they made their way to Jerusalem. They sung these songs at their annual feasts as they went. As they ascended up to the city of Jerusalem and up to the temple and up to their place of worship. And we see this psalm, Psalm 127, starting in verse 1. Read along with me. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in a sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. So how to be Mr. Incredible. Number one, follow God for all our plans. Follow God for all our plans. Say that with me. Follow God for all our plans. Look at verse one. Unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. I want you to understand that, that God wants to help me. That God wants to help you. We don't have to go it alone. We don't have to carry the weight of the world, so to speak. He's offering his wisdom. He's offering his strength. He's offering his skill. Unless the Lord let him build. Let him build. Let him into your life. Every aspect of your life, don't distance yourself from your father. Don't keep him at arm's length. And, and sometimes kids do that with their parents, kids do that with their dads. They don't want them to get too close, especially if they're around friends. And, and, they, and that has so much to offer. Your heavenly father has so much to offer, and he says, Let me in, let me build. Let him build your house, and, and house means house, physical house, residence where we live, but it includes the idea of our spiritual home and everything that takes place within our home. Now, remember the context. The Israelites are traveling during their three-annual feasts to Jerusalem. They've just left their home. And they're passing through town after town and they're seeing houses everywhere and they're seeing large clusters of homes once they get into the city. You and I see hundreds and thousands of homes every single day. You drove by hundreds of houses on your way to church here today. Neighborhoods filled with them, sprawling estates, old farmhouses, all kinds of different homes. Different styles, different sizes, price ranges, qualities, track homes, custom homes, semi-custom homes, homes all over the place. Listen carefully. The The best built homes are homes built by God. The best built homes are homes built by God. And how few homes today are built by God. These are some of the materials used, we're told in Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, when it's built by God. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It's one reason why so many houses fall apart today because they're built cheap. People are cutting corners. They're leaving out the wisdom of God and the understanding that comes from God and the knowledge that comes from God. What is found in the Word of God, people are ignoring. And they're listening to social media and they're 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 listening to the news and they're they're listening to all of these other sources, all these other people that are being allowed to build their homes up. God is saying, "Would you open the Bible? Would you build your home according to My Word?" There's wisdom in there for your relationships. There's understanding of what should take place and what should not take place. There is knowledge. If you want a house that's going to last, it must be built by God. Let God build it. He says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. So let God be the architect. Let him be the engineer, let him be the general contractor, let him be the subcontractor at every level and area. See, God needs to be more than just your Sunday morning consultant, because that's what he is for some of you. You've come in and it's Sunday morning consultant time, and you're going to listen and then you'll take it out and then you're going to do whatever you want, some of you. And God is saying, I'm tired of being your Sunday morning consultant. I need to be your architect, your engineer, your general contractor, and your subcontractor at every level, or your house is going down. It's going to crash. It's time to hand over your home. Some of you need some serious rehab in your homes. And God is saying, I'm here, let me in. Open the front door. Let's start building, let's start rehabbing, let's start renovating your home with my wisdom and my knowledge and my understanding, and wait till you see what God's going to build when it comes to your home, your relationships, your marriage. Some of you say, what? But, but I don't know. Can I trust God with my home? Can he be trusted? Proverbs 3:19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. Jeremiah 10. It is he who made the earth by his power and established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he stretched out the heavens. Seriously, don't you think the founder and creator of the heavens and earth can handle your little home? Don't you think he's up to the challenges you have? Don't, don't you think he's up to the difficulties you're facing? Give it to God, and let Him build, and let Him rehab, and let Him renovate. He's a master craftsman. Because if I don't, and if you don't, it's all vain. He says, "They labor in vain who built it, unless God does it." Vain means it's pointless, it's worthless, it's empty. It's ineffective. It comes to nothing. And it's all for naught. On your way home from church today, you will pass home after home after home that are vain homes. Because I want you to understand something. A home empty of God is a home empty of meaning. A home empty of God is a home empty of purpose. A home empty of God is a home empty of direction. No matter how much time we pour into it, how much effort we give it, no matter how, matter how much money we spend on it, if God is not in it, it's worthless. It's purposeless. It's ineffective and unproductive. Now, for you who are singles among us today, understand the importance Do not enter into a relationship with a man or woman who doesn't want the Lord to build your home. Don't do it. Because that shack of a marriage is a disaster waiting to happen. You got to marry a man of God or a woman of God who wants God to build your home. How can we be Mr. Incredible? First, I got to follow God's plans. Follow God for for our plans, all of them. Secondly, we need to trust God for our protection. Say that with me. Trust God for our protection. Look at the second half of verse 1. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Now, remember the context. It's a song of ascents. They're ascending up to the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a fortress city located on a hill, surrounded by mountains. The the pilgrims, the Israelites, are entering through massive gates and, and looking upon thick, high walls. And they're watching the armed guards on the wall, standing at attention. And all day and all night guarding the city. Israel lived in a time of threat, surrounded by enemies. Not too much unlike today. And Solomon knew that the greatest man-made barricades and defenses could only do so much. The wisest man in the world knew this. I can have the biggest walls, the thickest walls, the toughest gates, the most amount of soldiers. I can only do so much because if God's not in it, it's all vain. Now, yes, be wise. Yes, be responsible. They were to stay alert and have a plan of action and utilize the best weapons and latest defense systems and know-how? I like how this man put it. His name was Oliver Cromwell. He was an English military and political leader in the 1600s. He rose to power after his conversion to Christ. He, uh, he fervently believed that God was the one guiding him and God was the one giving him victories. And he had the right idea when he said this to his troops. Put your trust in God, my boys, and keep your powder dry. You do everything you are supposed to do. But you better be trusting God. Be vigilant, do your part, but fully rely on God to do his part. To put it another way, it was either Augustine or Ignatius, early church father, who said... Work like everything depends on you, and pray like everything depends on God. See, we need God. If God is the one who has built our house, we need God to be the one who protects our house. If we're going to let God do the building, we need to let God do the protecting. Yes, take precautions. Take precautions with your home. Take precautions with your finances. Take precautions with your family. Take precautions with your identity. Yes, be wise. Yes, be careful. Yes, have a plan of action. But trust the sovereign protection of God. Because if we are not relying on the Lord, every security measure is a vain waste of time. Everyone. We need God's constant presence. We need God's constant watchful eyes. We need God's never failing power we need his protection over our homes over our cities over our lives and and we're not to live in fear see what are you afraid of losing afraid of losing your home losing your marriage losing your health losing a loved one losing your job he says, I, I don't want you to live in fear. Trust me. See, we can only do so much. It, it, it takes trusting God's protection and trusting God's sovereignty when things don't go as we planned. To trust him and not live in fear. That's, that's how to be incredible. Follow God with all our plans and trust God For all our protection. And thirdly, believe God for our provision. Say that with me. Believe God for our provision. Verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Look at verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now remember, they're traveling from all over the nation of Israel, making their way to Jerusalem. They've left their homes. They've left their jobs. It's going to affect their income for a short time. It costs money to travel to the big city. I'm sure some of them are wondering, is it worth it? I've got mouths to feed and bills to pay and work to do. And I don't want to fall farther behind. And I could be working and making money. Instead, I'm spending money and traveling. I'm going to church when I could be working. I could be be making money right now. And I'm sitting in a church service. Is this really worth it? Work, work, work. He says, it's vain for you to rise up early. Early to work. Work, work, work. Before the sun comes up. Getting in extra hours. To retire late. Work, work, work. After the sun goes down. Staying late. Working through dinner. Bringing work home. Because you've got to build that business. And you've got to expand that territory. And you've got to increase your sales. And you've got to market your name. And you've got to network with more people. And you've got to grow that bank account. Cha-ching. And then you've got to do it all over again. And do it all over again. And do it all over again. He's saying that's just painful labors. He says, You're not eating well. You're not eating well at all. You're eating the bread of painful labors. It's taking a toll on your mind, it's taking a toll on your body, it's taking a toll on your relationships. Now, it's okay to work hard. We're told in scripture to be diligent, hard workers, not lazy or slothful. We're told to be as successful as possible and be good stewards of what the Lord has given us. But never ever forget what we need most of all is the favor of Almighty God. What we need is his hand on our lives. We see this in the life of Joseph in Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. So he became what? Successful man. In verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord caused all he did to what? Prosper in his hand. When God's hand is on you, there is success and there is prosperity. In ways you, you can't figure out. Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph, extended kindness to him and gave him favor. Genesis 39, 23, the Lord was with him and whatever he had did, the Lord made to prosper. We see that in Joseph. God just blessed him. His hand of favor was on him. We see this in the life of David. 1 Samuel 16. Then one of the young men said, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, skillful musician, mighty man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech and a handsome man, Mr. Incredible and what do we see lastly? The Lord is with him that's what made the difference with David 1 Samuel 18 David was prospering in all of his ways for the Lord was with him, 2 Samuel 5 and 1 Chronicles 11 say the same thing David became greater and greater for the Lord God of hosts was with him listen more than anything you and i need is god with us not more hours at work not up up earlier not getting the latest the latest technological things and savvy and everything you need god you need god's hand on your business you need god's favor upon you and for some of us we've been ignoring him acting more like it's it's some kind of formula We put together. Instead of falling on our knees. And dedicating everything we have to God. Everything. And saying Lord this business is yours. My finances are yours. My employees are yours. Everything is yours. And stop eating the bread of painful labors. Trying to do it all. In our own strength, just gobbling down painful, painful labors. More than anything, we need God in our lives. By the way, more than anything, we need God in this church. We can can do all kinds of things and try to market and everything else. And and there's a lot of churches that rely on all these external things. We need God. That's what we need. We need the Spirit of God, we need His hand, we need His lading, we need His blessing. That's what we want in this. That's what I want on my life and ministry. I just don't want to go through the motions doing everything in my own strength. Because then it's vain. It's vain. It's worth nothing. If God is not in it. And God is not empowering it. And he uses that word three times. Vain, vain, vain. And this is the third time in verse 2 he uses it. And what exactly is vain? Worthless, meaningless, Nothingness. Now, I want you to notice verse 2 can stand on its own as a third point like we have here. Or verse 2 can further explain the first two points that we had. In other words, it is vain to work harder and harder without the Lord building our homes, protecting our cities. Describing the vanity of trying to do verse the first two points. Or it can mean vain to work harder and harder providing for ourselves, providing for ourselves, providing for ourselves. See, Mr. Incredible has to believe God will do the impossible. You need to have faith in God and believe He's going to provide for you because He promises that He will. He says He gives to His beloved even in His sleep. So God's blessings come even as we sleep. Do you get that? In other words, you don't need to be up all night. God says, while you're sleeping, I'll be working, I'll take care of you. While you're sleeping, I'll be blessing, I'll be working. See, we've got to trust the God who never sleeps. So, say your prayers, go to sleep, and tell the Lord, have a good night at work. Because he's working for you. He's working on your behalf. He's got the third shift. He's got the second shift. He's got the first shift. So while you're sleeping, God is working. While you're sleeping, God will be blessing. Man, do we have a great God or what? The disciples had to learn this important lesson after the resurrection. They were up all night long fishing. Guess what they caught? Nothing. John 21. When the day was now breaking, the sun's coming up, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? That's just what a fisherman wants to hear. After putting in hours and hours and hours and hours of fishing, he didn't even ask them if they caught anything, he just said, you don't have any fish, do you? And their response, no, no. No. He said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find a catch so they cast and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish verse 11 Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of fish 153 and all there there were so many the net was not torn Maybe it's time to cast your net on the right side of the boat You've been up all night working and working and working and making nothing and no more clients and you can't figure out why are things not happening. And maybe it's time to listen to Jesus from the beach. Maybe it's time to finally listen to Jesus and depend on Jesus and ask of Jesus. Because life for some of us has been sheer exhaustion and frustration and it's time to listen to Jesus. Because just one word from the Lord is all it takes. And your net will overflow. And, and, and it won't fail. And it won't break. So Jesus from the beach can do more than we could ever do in our little dinghy of a boat. Never forget that. Jesus from the beach with one word can do more than all of our strength and all of our effort we could ever put in. So let's look to the beach and listen to the Lord. God blesses when we sleep, but I also believe this verse means God blesses us with sleep. It can go both ways. He gives to his beloved even in his sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. In other words, get your rest. Get your rest. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. So much wisdom. Ecclesiastes 4.6 One hand full of Rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind get your rest take a vacation mark 6:30 the apostles gathered together with jesus they reported him all that they had done and taught busy with ministry he said to them come away by yourselves to a secluded place and what rest not forever rest a while For there were many people coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat and they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Take a cruise! (laughs) I don't think it was quite that boat, but anyway. You're God's child. Rest like it. You're God's child. Rest in Him. And rest like it. I have two children at home still. Dawson's 18, Raina's 11. They sleep very soundly. Sometimes too soundly. I mean, they're just out. And and just about every night, I sneak into their room and open the door and rub their head and give them a kiss, say a prayer. They just sleep. I want you to understand, your Heavenly Father does that with you. He doesn't want to see you tossing and turning. He wants you to rest well. He's got everything taken care of. He loves you. It's going to be okay. He works all through the night. He watches all through the night. Be at peace and trust him. Now, how to really be Mr. Incredible? Follow God with our plans trust god for our protection believe god for our provision and praise god for our posterity say that with me praise god for our posterity i had to get the peas in there okay it's your kids your children it's succeeding generations look at verse 3 and 4 behold children are a gift of the lord the fruit of the womb not the fruit of the loom is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Now you may say, I don't get the connection here. What's the connection of verse 1 and 2 to connections 3 through 5? They seem strange. It's vain, it's vain, it's vain, it's vain. Praise God for kids. What, what's, up, what's up with that? What's the What's the connections? He's transitioning from building a house physically to building a house biologically. He mentions the gift of sleep. One thing that happens when husbands and wives sleep together, children are conceived. We'll stop right there. Children are a gift of the Lord. They are gifts. Now, there's no returns, exchanges or refunds. You you got to take what you got and work with it, okay? But they are gifts from the Lord. Now, I find it funny that he says children are a gift of the Lord, not grandchildren are a gift of the Lord. Because it's obvious grandchildren are a gift from the Lord, perfect little blessings of God. Our own kids though. Uh, but anyway. Sometimes we forget our own children are gifts. They give us headaches and they're time-consuming and they're expensive and messy and spill and break things and fight with siblings and they keep us up all night. I'll never forget a card Carl and I received many years ago at the birth of our youngest girl. The mix gave it to us, Ron and Martha. Children are a gift from the Lord. Remember that at 3 (laughs) a.m. All children are gifts, not just yours. All children. That crying, screaming kid that you're stuck behind on an airplane is a gift from God. That child that distracts you in a service in church is a gift from God. That kid in the store throwing a tamper tantrum is a gift from God. That neighbor boy that you really don't like or trust. He's a gift from God. That teenager with his pants below his butt. Driving that car through the neighborhood. He's a gift from God. <laughs> he is a very unique gift from God. <laughs> Unplanned children are gifts from God. My mom was seventeen, not married in high school when she found out she was pregnant with me. Think that was hard on her? Oh, yeah. She was given those illegal abortion pills that she started to take to abort me. And she couldn't go through with it anymore because she just knew it wasn't right. I was a gift from God. Not planned for her, but planned by God. Every unplanned pregnancy is a gift from god now how that gift came about may not have been the right way but yet a child is a gift and i want you to notice he says children are a gift not they will be when they get their act together they are a gift right now and i need to be better at reminding my own children of this fact They hear me say, pick that up, brush your teeth, mow the lawn, put that away. You know what my kids need to hear me say more often? You're a gift from God. Not not my grandchildren. I don't have any yet. (laughs) But my children need to hear me say, you're a gift from God. Your children need to hear those words. You are a gift from God. And by the way, not just our own kids, but other kids need to be told that. And even if their parents don't tell them that, I can. And you can. You can tell any kid that they are a gift from God. Do you know what that will do for them? You mean God loves me? Yes. I mean God created me, yes. You mean God has purpose for me? Yes. So so that kid in a broken family, that that kid that's on the team with yours, that that child you run into is a total stranger. You can tell them they are a gift from God. Because they are. Jesus made it clear in Mark 10. They were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. The disciples rebuked them. Get those kids out of here. This is adult time. Jesus saw this. He was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to what? Come to me. Do not hinder them, for the children, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began what? Blessing. Laying sin. This little guy. I, this was not planned. <laughs> just think about the Lord doing this. <laughs> this kid spits up on me. I will not be happy. <laughs> but you'll still be a gift from God. I, I just want you to think about Jesus doing that, saying, Bring those kids! Bring them! I'm gonna lay my hands on them. I'm gonna pray God's blessing on them and favor over them. And, and that's what he did. And sometimes we forget every child is a gift. And then he says they are a reward. And he uses this interesting imagery of fruit of the womb. Fruit takes time to develop in the womb of a mother. It takes time to grow bigger and bigger. Fruit develops like an apple or an orange or a watermelon. We've had five watermelons. Watermelons. And he says a reward, not a penalty, not a burden, but a blessing. And reward means the same thing as gift. It means the exact same thing. This is not something you've earned based on merit, okay? It's a gift from God. So children are this gift. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And and then he ends it, verse 4 and 5, by letting us know that children are latent with power and potential. He says, every child is latent with such power and potential. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when, he, when they speak with their enemies in the gate. They are arrows. They are powerful. They are, there's so much potential. Every single one of my kids has gone to Aurora Christian. And I think most of them graduated uh, from kindergarten there. And uh, here's a picture of, of Raina, our youngest, when, when she was like five with uh, Brenna. And they always have their little di- kindergarten diploma and their little cap and gowns. And they, it's just really adorable. But, but when they're there, every year they sing that I am a promise song. I am a promise I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. It's adorable, all these, but it's true. That's what they are. They're a promise. They're a possibility. They're a great big bundle of potentiality. And I'm learning to hear God's voice, and I'm trying to make the right choice. I am a promise to be anything God wants me to be. They are arrows, They're going to fly all over this world, your kids will. They're going to go places you've never been. They're going to do things you've never done. They're going to accomplish what you never thought of. So sharpen your kids. Sharpen them with the word of God. Point them true. Point them at honorable targets while they're in your care. And and then release them for the glory of almighty God. Verse 5. He says, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Never mock a full quiver. You say, well, what is this quiver? Well, for a long bow or a back bow, had two compartments. That's 12 to 24 arrows. That's a lot of kids. Compound bow holds eight arrows. It just means somebody who has a really large family, that's God's blessing. Full quiver is nothing to be ashamed of. You know, the world laughs at large families. The world mocks people with a lot of kids. I think they should get a TV or something. They know what causes that yet? Um, To mock a family with many children is to mock God who gave those children. Don't mock a big family. To mock a big family is to mock God. That's pretty serious. And then he says there's no shame. Verse 5, they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. What is he teaching here? That children bring provision in old age. They're there as security and can take care of you. Um, I was talking to my 18-year-old son Dawson just the other day about end-of-life issues. As Carl and I get older and stuff, and his immediate response, Dad, don't worry. You can live in one of my houses and die with a view. <laughs> like, Great. Thanks, son, that I'm taken care of. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, so children bring provision in old age, and, and children bring protection. He says they're arrows. Listen carefully. You have enemies and will have enemies all of your life. People who do not like you. People who'd like to see you fail. And people who would like to take advantage of you. They're to think twice when they see those arrows pointed right at them. When they see children taking care of their parents. Listen up, kids. One of the reasons why God has given you to those parents is to take care of them. Don't you dare ignore them. You're to be their security. You're to help them make wise decisions in their old age when maybe their minds start to go. You're, you're to be there to help them when their bodies start to break down. When this world will try to take advantage of the elderly. Be the arrow. Be sharp. Be pointed. Provide and protect. What have we learned? Well, how to be Mr. Incredible. Let's say it with me. Follow God for all our plans. Trust God for our protection and believe God for our provision, praise God for our posterity. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit atharvest.church.